you know, the worst thing you can do is shotgun marketing, you know, death by a thousand cuts, right? So to me, it starts with an overall thematic. That's Grant Johnson, CMO of Embers. When it comes to generating pipeline, he aligns his teams around a marketing theme. His teams are not just winging it with a shotgun marketing approach. With the recession on everybody's mind, they are using it as a quarterly theme to attract, convert, and help their prospects focus on the financial resiliency they need in their business. Having an authentic quarterly marketing theme or campaign is a better way to connect with your prospects, especially when you use those themes across multiple channels, in your ABM strategy, and across the sales team's messaging. Integrated marketing messaging will take you farther than just shotgunning your email newsletters out. So each quarter, we have a theme. For example, we're going to go into next quarter and we'll have a a theme, which is optimize spend so you can increase financial resilience. You know, pretty straightforward theme. But if, if you see the second half of that, to increase financial resiliency, we're going to be creating content that says, hey, you're in a recession, you need to control costs. We're continually talking to our customers to understand what's important to them. Grant joins us to talk more than just about these marketing themes. We will chat about how they're measuring pipeline velocity, how they measure value delivered to their customers, and how they're using a free spend optimization tool to mature their prospects in the customers. This is Dan. I'm the CEO of Magal.io, the leading tech stack agency. Each week, I get to speak to executives about their strategies to drive revenue, not to mention the stack they're using to get it all done. This week is Grant, the CMO of Inverse, a spend management software for businesses. They're no small deal, and with about 1,000 employees and 18,000 customers, they're not really a small guy. Nor is Grant. The dude is a legend and has worked at companies like Pegasystems and Symantec, not to mention companies where he was running marketing were acquired by IBM, BlackBerry, and Microsoft. The guy's totally legit. Let's hop in and let Grant tell us a little bit more about Inverse, his initiatives, and the stack he's using to run them. Hi, I'm Grant Johnson, and I'm the Chief Marketing Officer at Inverse. And it's great to be here, Dan. Thanks for being able to join us. Like, I'm really looking forward to digging in. You know, I was doing some research on your background and like, you're like a legend. You've been able to do some very, very amazing things. You've been at multiple companies that have been acquired. Can you kind of just give us a little bit of background on you and stuff like that? Kind of bring us up to speed? Like some folks, I fell into marketing, but I also fell in love at the same time and determined early in my career, I wanted to run a marketing organization. I have also been very fortunate that I've, either been lucky or I've picked good companies, but I've acquired 20 companies and I've been acquired seven times. So, you know, I think I've been at one company eight years and most companies like four years, then you get acquired. And ever since I was a chief marketing officer in 2009, I've reported to, you know, a president or CEO and, you know, at companies generally between a hundred million and several hundred million. And that's sort of my sweet spot. I've done startups. I've been part of IBM. That's that's like a hundred billion dollar company. But I really like to where the action is to where I can have an impact. I often call these companies challenger brands. Now at Imburse, I've been here three years, and I think we're taking share from the number one big dog, so we're having fun. What does Imburse do? We're the world's number one in spend optimization. And really, probably the easiest way to think about what we do is every company incurs expenses, and there's three major buckets. And we help you in all three buckets. So if you're traveling and more people are traveling these days, T&E is a big, big area that we're involved in. If you have 
you're buying goods and you're you're paying those vendors, you you're gonna receive invoices. So we do invoice automation, accounts payable automation, allow you to pay electronically, electronic fund transfer or by card. Can you imagine 43% of business still write checks? It seems crazy, but we help automate that. And then we help manage what we call departments. You know, with COVID, everything was disrupted. And I'm working from home, other people work from home, you know, working remotely. And so we have a, what we call the Imburse card. It allows you, it's free, but you can pre-assign who can use it, how much they can spend, pre-approve a virtual card so you can get visibility and control over your small business spend or large company spend and categorize it any way you want. So all forms of finances worth really within that department. Imburse helps you optimize all types of spend. I'm curious in your role and for your team, right, what are the main KPIs that you're tracking towards? What are the metrics you really care about? Over the three years I've been here, we've modified those metrics to some extent. You know, the, the, the biggest things is we, I help drive this at the company, a strategic alignment across all functions that we have three, you know, major thematics of what we align to. We want to enhance our customer value. The more valuable that you are, to your customers, the more sticky your application, the more loyal they are to your business, and the more likely they are to tell somebody about it. That's, you know, referral advocacy is is really critical, right? And then we want to really drive adoption of a portfolio. So that's expanding the utilization of the broader portfolio. They might sign up for expense, then they add invoice, then they add cards, then they add analytics, then they add travel, just to name five of our major offerings. And then within those areas, I have eight direct reports, staff's about 60. So within marketing globally, depends on whether you're driving product marketing or you're driving brand marketing or you're driving demand generation. Each of those leaders on my team has their own subset of KPIs that align to that. And then what I talked about modifying recently, what I've been working with our CRO and other executives is let's really dig a little deeper into the the speed and the velocity because as sales and marketing, we not only impact the creation of pipeline, but the qualification, progression, and close rates. And so we're looking at some of those other levers to see, hey, are we are we moving through at the same pace with small business as medium business, right? Are the days it takes to go from a pre-qual to a qualified to a close opportunity, are those increasing or decreasing? How is your team measuring customer value? Like what is the way that you navigate that? I actually have a dashboard. We use Tableau. I think I'd shared probably half of it. I've got the full tech stack. I think I gave you some of the major ones, but I have 40 tools when all said and done. But how do we enhance customer value? Well, we have a process where I have a dedicated customer marketing function. They work very closely with the customer cross-sale team and the customer success team, which is really the closest to the customer as far as day-to-day interaction. You know, if they need help for configuration and ads, changes, and so forth and implementation, that group. So between these three groups, we sort of orchestrate, we've we've been on this journey three years, how do we communicate with those customers? To some extent, we have a, you know, in-app communication with Pendo, we can make them aware of, you know, say a new feature, fairly like while they're in the app, it's very unintrusive. However, we generally look to try to introduce on a regular basis, every six months, once a year, a product that they haven't either trialed or used And so the customer value is really the adoption. So I actually track within my Tableau dashboard what I call him the data jockey. His true title is market analyst, but I like data (laughs) jockey better. And, you know, I can see like what is the average number of products adopted over time going up by product line by segment. 
And that helps give us a good gauge is are we succeeding? Certainly at an aggregate level, the dollar value of bookings and net retention are key. But you have to dig down a little deeper because if for some reason you're either exceeding or falling short, you want to know why. And this is what helps us by looking at more granular levels of detail by customer line, by product line. But overall, that's how we see customer value. And of course, there's the other part, which is I call documenting customer success. We have hundreds and hundreds of customer testimonials and case studies, and you're never done. You know, somebody will leave a company or a company will get bought. So we just keep, we have a community called the Inverse Collective. And we have about a thousand members of our 18,000 customers. So we really rely on them to help put reviews on G2 and Captera and GetApp and whatever, and as well as uh, share the praise, whether it's in testimonial on a, on a LinkedIn post or at an in-person event, which we're doing more of. Grant is big on delivering customer value, and he's tracking it by looking at adoption and utilization in Tableau. He's trying to make an impact on those metrics by using messaging from Pendo. Obviously, you want to see that people are actually adopting and using your product. His team is impacting net revenue retention and dollar value of bookings by using product marketing and in-app messaging to educate customers on their new features. Since they come out with new products on a regular basis, they have to get all of these new products in front of the customer and work on their cross-sell and upsell motions. This is a process we chatted a lot about with Eigen, the VP of Product Marketing at Datadog, a few episodes back. The more we have more products, the more they are related, actually. You can't sell a single product in a silo without understanding the full picture of the platform and the fact that you can jump from one to another to another, and that's where you get the complete visibility. So uh, we are rolling out storytelling frameworks and journeys for customers to understand the full breadth of product, a single product in the context of other products. So those are the things that also tie into cross-sell and upsell, right? This is exactly what Grant's team is focused on, building the right messaging and journeys in the product to deliver value to his customers while also driving pipeline. Seems like they're doing a good job too, as they have hundreds and hundreds of customers' testimonials and case studies. Now that's where the real value is shown, when your customers will allow you to use their stories and the success of your product to refer other customers. Earlier in the conversation, Grant mentioned getting more focused on pipeline velocity and working with his CRO to better understand and optimize the velocity of their pipeline. Let's hear what he had to say about that. To some extent, if somebody tells you they've got it all figured out, then they're probably uh, stretching the truth a little bit because there's, especially when you're at scale like we are with thousands of prospects and customers. But first of all, you need to know what good looks like, right? And so we, we do year over year, quarter over quarter. And so, you know, like stage progression for, we have this sort of defined the stages. So we have marketing qualified account and we use demand base and we have auto MQA. Some call that MQL, but we actually like to associate with an actual account. So marketing qualified account. And it has to reach a certain threshold and score or be asked, you know, somebody wants to see a demo or talk to somebody in sales. So those are the auto MQAs. And then they go to a prequel where our BDR team touches them. And there's a certain number of days. There's SLAs. I, I won't share our SLAs, but that's one transition you want to make sure is efficient and, and is consistent. And then sales has a certain period of time to either qualify in or qualify out. Let's say they qualify in. Sales accepted opportunity. Some call it SQO, sales qualified opportunity. It doesn't matter. It's an opportunity, right? And so we look at 
across the major segments, small, medium, mid-market, and, and enterprise, when you go to win, closed one, how long does that normally take? And so I was just talking with our CRO uh, recently, and he said, boy, if I'm looking at these opportunities, this particular segment, they're over 90 days, I don't think they're real. And I said, I agree with him. You may have to rewarm them, but our data tells us fast is best, right? Fresh is better. <laughs> and you know, if you have fresh and fast, you're on your way to a close. And we have certain segments that we either we create and close pipeline in 30 days. Now, enterprise, it's more like six months. And so, yeah, you'll have a more aged pipeline. But that's really the what I, I started doing this a decade ago. I call it pipeline quality metrics, working together, as we call it, the go-to-market team. You, you only succeed or fall short together. So sales, marketing, if you have channels, partners, like what does some good look like? How are we tracking? And some of the things we can do is more personalization. So if you're the BDR, the salesperson, hey, I see you downloaded this. Here's a case study of somebody just like you. You try to be more proactive. And you can also, one of the things you can do is you may know in demand base, we can do journey analytics. And so, you know, you sort of look at sales and marketing touches. And sometimes a, a prospect will go backwards in the, in the buyer journey. So how do you get them back on track? They may actually generally not be interested or pick somebody else. But sometimes, you know, some other project comes up. And that's more important than, you know, updating their invoice automation or getting a, an easier to use travel and expense tool like Inverse. So we use those sort of uh, markers to help determine where we can intervene and proactively. And I will say that one of the cool integrations we've done with uh, demand base is based on a certain defined criteria in signal, if you will, digital signal from the prospect or the existing customer, we can trigger a Marketo campaign or a sales loft campaign, right? You're probably familiar with that. And again, you know, you have to have the campaign designed, right? You have to be able to monitor results, but that, that level of automation does increase my team's efficiency for sure. And it sounds super, super awesome. In the pre-interview, we talked a little bit about your integrated go-to-market and kind of pipeline creation, right? It's one of the big initiatives you're running. I guess, like, can you tell me a little bit more about how you're using that initiative to really push people down? It sounds like you touched on some of that there with how you're using demand-based, Marketo, and SalesLoft. Right, there's a couple aspects. I just, you know, integrated marketing is like ABM. There's 100 definitions, right? So to me, it starts with an overall thematic. So each quarter we have a theme because, you know, a lot of our success is in content marketing and social media and things that drive people to our website, our social presence, get, you know, engage in whether it's a webinar, in-person or, you know, virtual event. For example, we're going to go into next quarter and we'll have a, a theme, which is optimize spend so you can increase financial resilience. You know, pretty straightforward theme. And, and, you know, we're the number one in spend optimization, so it's not surprising. But if you see the second half of that, to increase financial resiliency, we're going to be creating content that says, hey, you're in a recession, you need to control costs. We're continually talking to our customers to understand what's important to them. So you got to have the right theme. And then what we do, I have a director of content marketing who sort of orchestrates this, is we look across each customer touch point and what are those activities? Are they within that theme and do they all build to something? You know, the worst thing you can do is, shotgun marketing, death by a thousand cuts, right? Instead of integrated marketing. So to me, it's like thematically coordinated on a, you know, a orchestration basis. So you don't trigger something that doesn't meet a threshold, right? Or you don't have three events on the same day. So that's partly what I mean, the integrate is that the team is all has the visibility. You know, we also use uh, SANA as a planning tool because you can see what are the major projects, what are the status per project. We have a marketing calendar. And so, you know, we're not perfect, 
but we try to integrate the efforts all towards the end of targeting, engaging, and converting prospects to customers, then growing those customers over time. How do, you talked about these themes, right? So they sound almost like branding themes, content themes you're doing per quarter. And it sounds like you're kind of pushing those themes out via sauna. Is that like the main way that you're planning and then collaborating with the broader team? Well, I want to say I think we, we do more planning in our overall communications than you know using the tool. Like for example, we have a weekly huddle. That's just a term we use. And there's and I don't know, four-fifths of my team, not everybody needs to be on the huddle. We're sharing, hey, successes, setbacks, new things we're doing. So that overall form allows us to share practices, share statuses, say, here's what's coming up. We also send out, and again, you know, these things are only valuable if, if the audience finds it valuable. But we do a monthly update for sales. And so like, hey, if you're an enterprise segment, we call it the mashup. If you're in corporate segment or small business, here's what's happening. Here's the message. Here's like the content that's fresh you should send to prospects. Here's the on-demand you know, webinar that somebody might want to see in the sales cycle. Here's an upcoming presence that we'll be at. And here's how best to use your opportunity map to discover those that are surging you know, through intent or interaction. And so it's a combination of a, an ongoing marketing organization and orchestration, sales enablement and communication and measuring to see, hey, how are we doing? How can we do better? Now, earlier you had mentioned the kind of integrated marketing pipeline uh, around pipeline creation. What are some of the other initiatives that you're running that are helping you hit those KPIs and goals? Well, one of the biggest initiatives, I think every year a company should do uh, some needle mover, lightning strike, major impact. And one of the things that I started working on almost two years ago was it's critical for any company who's not already the leader of the market is how do you define your space? So we had looked at spend management as a category, and there are others who are claiming that mantle. We, you know, we came up pretty good on a Google search. But as I started thinking about our portfolio, we have incredible insights through our analytics. I think we have sort of the best insights. The more you know about how things are working or not, whether you're spending per plan or not, whether you're in line with industry standards or not, the better you can run your business and increase both profitability and financial resilience. So we launched the first Imburse spend optimization model. And that model basically helped our customers look at the various modalities of spend, you know, travel and expense, invoice automation, card spend, for example, and to determine, you know, are they automated or not? And a lot of companies don't even have the basic automation tool like ours in place. Some do, they just don't have the best one. And so what this Imburse spend optimization platform, we've progressed it now, it's an actual platform, we've enabled the entire sales team. And so what we're starting to see is the benefits, this does take time, is that the sales folks and our customer success folks, when they have conversations with customers, they're now positioned as a trusted advisor. They're not saying you bought X, bought Y, you bought expense bought by invoice. You're saying, what are your business goals? What are you looking to improve? And how can we align with that? And do you want to get more automated in this area or not? And so we have this conversation where they start to see what the gaps are, helps drive internal alignment. And now more and more companies want to optimize spend. And I think this recession is going to increase the willingness of customers to engage in these more meaningful conversations. Anybody can say, look, get the demo, buy my product. But it's a lot harder to say, let me understand your business issue, give you confidence that investing in us will help increase your business, your financial resilience, and you'll see an ROI and 12 months or less. So that I think the spend optimization has been a major initiative 
it's completely adopted. We, you know, we use Highspot. We can just see by the number of tools that sales downloads and use that spend optimizations number one. So that's a great sign. Now, what is this? So it sounds like the spend optimization model. Is this like a free tool that the customers use, or do you actually have to talk to a sales rep? Yeah, it's it's a free tool. It's a you know you're probably from your gardener's probably best known for a maturity model. It's a maturity model, right? With your level adoption, you go from uh, manual to uh, automated to accelerated to optimized, right? So there's four major steps to it, and nobody's going to start at optimized, right? And you know you may go to manual to to automated pretty easily because you don't have anything now you got a tool but getting accelerated and getting optimized takes a little bit more effort we have an assessment free it's on the website and we'll give you a score and then we'll it's it's really a dialogue that we'd like to have with the prospect or customers you know during regular customer review say you're up for a renewal our customer success team says hey can we talk about your overall you know situation how your what benefit you're getting from the current product would you like to consider other products to help you optimize spend. Well, tell me more about that. Oh, maybe I should bring in, oh, I should bring in my accounts payable person because I think we're writing checks still. Things crazy, we're mailing them, I hope they arrive, <laughs> you know? So that's how it works. And it's been an organic thing. We set the goal. Literally, I will tell you, people think marketing is easy. It's not. It took five months for my leader on this initiative to, to get us to consensus across the entire sales team. I must have been in version 23, but we got it right. And that's the most important thing. We didn't get it right in five weeks. That would have been mission impossible. In five months, we got it right. And what is it? Is it just custom build? Are you using a product to build it? Or did your dev team just customize it? Well, we just created a simple uh, dev team. There's two things. One, on the website, it's like a simple form. We have another thing on our website that we built, which because we have a broad product line, which is, you know, tell us a little bit about your business. Are you global? Are you small? Do you travel a lot? Do you have a lot of invoices? And then it says, we think these products are best suited. It's called, we call it the Fit Finder. So this is similar, just more sophisticated. This is you know the spend optimization assessment tool, and you look at it, and it gives you a report. Here's kind of where you are, what says your priorities are. But on the same token, when you're having a conversation with the customer, literally, you could just use the PowerPoint, and you can slide. Where are you on this scale? And, and you know, funny, we'll talk to customers, they say, well, I'm optimize and three people in the room say, well, and we're not really optimized. We don't do this, 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 right? So we have content that says, here's the checklist. So you look at our content on spend optimization. The, you know, it, We just put some content out recently and, and you go through the checklist. If you only check three of the six, then you're not at that stage, right? So we just make it simple. It's nothing that you have to program. You just check a box. Now, is this information all then saved into Marketo and then into Salesforce and like totally informs the sales rep? Like, How does that information from that tool then power your team? It's saved into Salesforce. That's really uh, where we uh, our system of record tracks the sales interactions. Marketing, you know, Marketo certainly. We, we you know, together with its integration with demand base, we can see because by somebody who's registered with, we can see the, the the interactions they've done over time. But yeah, that's where we we track it. I think that if you're a customer success person and you're having a conversation with an existing customer, you may store some of that in Gainsight. They use Gainsight in addition to Salesforce, so we may have a secondary uh, data source. This spend optimization tool is wicked. Grant has already talked about delivering value to his customers, and this is a great example of putting that extra effort in to really show your customers you're willing to go above and beyond for them. And as Grant mentioned, they had many iterations before it worked. You've got to be ready to commit the time and energy it takes to iterate until you get it right. It's not an easy process to do to have these free tools, but they definitely move the needle. 
It's awesome to hear that Inburst put the effort in on that spend optimization tool. It's a great idea and it's super useful and it provides not only value to their customers, it also provides value to their sales team. Let's learn more about how that effort is paying off. How's that free tool been effective for y'all? Like, how's it really, what metrics is it really driving for you? Like, what is the way you're using it? You know, Dan, it goes back to your early question, which I track in this Tableau dashboard. I can see that the number of opportunities that are more than one product, I can see the adoption by product line. I can see the the pipeline and bookings by business, by segment, because we go to market by segment, small, medium, large, if you will. And so those are really the metrics or the indicators that we're getting I can see from Highspot the internal enablement is working. It's been adopted by sales of true believers, just like they're totally bought into using demand base to make themselves more efficient and effective. But I often see the most objective criteria with our overall pipeline and progression and uh, how we're growing our cross-sell business. You know, that wouldn't happen if they weren't adopting more products, right? And so this is a one-to-one relationship, having a really good strategic customer interaction tool, if you will, to have this dialogue around spend optimization and their adoption. So I've got both internal metrics as well as just objective metrics based on business performance. Yeah. Now it sounds like this optimization model is driving just as much expansion and upsell as it is net new. I think so. Initially, it was easier to adopt for the existing customers because you already have in conversation, they've already bought one product and other than get them to renew and or maybe upsell to you know more users, more volume, whatever the metric business outcome might be. But it took a little bit longer, but we've seen all of our major sales teams adopt this to a large degree. Now, when you think about like you, you of course have built a great stack there. We talked about a lot of different tools. I mean, what would be the recommendations you would give to other marketers when they think about building their stack, right? Or they're trying to optimize the tools that they're using. Any recommendations you have there? Yeah, don't do too much too fast, honestly. You know, we decommissioned, we had some duplicative tools. You know, I've talked to a lot of CMO peers. I'm in, a, as you probably know, a number of different CMO peer groups. So I'll talk to somebody else, hey, did you use that? Or have my team, like, did you use that? How much time should we give ourselves to get up to speed? You know, we had one tool, for example, that was going to help us with website optimization. It sounded so promising, right? But they were like a one trick pony. I won't name them, it's not fair. <laughs> they did something and it worked. And then we said, okay, great. That's pilot. Now let's start replicating. And it started working less well, less well, less well. So everybody's got a great case study. You know, so talk to peers. Make sure you not only have the budget for the tool, you have the appropriate infrastructure, you know, support. Like, you know, if your website goes down, you better have somebody who's, you know, helping you get that back up, right? Or if the integration link breaks. And so you need to have good support and you need to have operators who can run that tool. And that, you know, the ease of operation, I will say that, for example, the website tool we use is probably not the best known, but my administrators can update pages on their own and it doesn't break. That's kind of a nice feature. What if I had to have my pro- web programmer make every change to the web? That would be kind of painful, right? So those are the types of things to look out for on building your own tech stack. What are you using for your website? We have CrownPeak. They're actually a K1 portfolio company. We looked at 11. I have a director of web marketing. She's like me, been in the web for you know well over a decade, gets it. We put them all, you know, standard bake-off, and we just felt like this was the right blend. You know, we, we have international sites. Uh, we have multiple users who are able to update and create and add content. We also have TransPerfect for translation. So, that, I mean, that was not included, and that makes it faster. Like, in Europe, there's a certain, certain number of countries that we really want to have 
a depth of content. And so you, you have to have that ability to do it faster with a translation tool. Now, some of these websites include that bundled. We bought it separately. Interesting. And I definitely, you know, it's always good to have a website that people can use. Earlier, you talked a little bit about the stack that your company's using. I'm curious to kind of know, like, what is your stack, right? Like when you think about any of the tools you use personally that make you an effective executive, I mean, what would what would be the tool you say you use the most? Well, I'm beholden, like most people, to the interrupt-driven nature of the work we're in. You know, I can turn off Slack, I can silence my cell phone, and I cannot read email. That's part of my, you know, efficiency is I, I only like to look at these things a couple times a day, you know, if you're interrupted. So I, I carve out time. So it's really time management, number one. Number two, I, you know, I've used from the Palm Pilot days to Notepad and Notes, and I've used all kinds of these. But, you know, honestly... I have a Word document. I'm very well organized. I got the top 10 things I'm tracking. We've got it in a sauna. So if I need a reminder, it'll, it'll push me. And I start my week out, what I got to get done this week. And I check halfway through and at the end. And hey, do you need to update it next week? So simple tools work for me. I love it. Keep it simple with Word, man. I mean, at the end of the day, I, I, I use a Google Docs. So very much the same world. So Same thing. I, I use Docs as well. Right. Keep it simple. Uh, now, when you think about some predictions for the future, right? Like you're at a company that you're part of the stack, right? You're part of the finance stack. When you think about the different things that are going to happen in the future, when we think about all these tools, any predictions you have for the tools and stack of the future? Well, I think they have to be massively simplified. I really think, and I believe in the promise of uh, AI and, and automation. I'm not afraid by it. I, I love sci-fi, but not afraid by taking over by you know artificial intelligence. I actually think if it can make uh, decisions for us, and we can validate those decisions. Decide, hey, let's do more like this. You can experiment. The ability for the human being to assimilate data and see patterns is good. But you know, when a computer can beat the most brilliant chess person, you realize that you know there's some other power out there that might just work a little faster and and not need to rest. And you just, I like to say, you know, set it and uh, determine if it's going to increase your return. And so I think AI is going to, in the MarTech stack, we're starting to use a little bit now, but I think that's going to really progress over time. I'm not so sure about uh, virtual reality. That's, I'm not sure how that's going to help our business. It may be a big business unto itself, but I think it's probably the, the machine learning. We, we do a lot of machine learning, quite frankly, in why we have such good analytics. Uh, we have a whole data science team like a lot of companies. So I think ML and AI are destined to impact uh, understanding of customers, optimizing what we do and therefore optimizing, in our case, optimizing spend for our customers. Yeah, it's definitely something you're going to be able to use in your business. This has been great. Really, really appreciate you taking the time to be able to join us today. Thanks so much for doing this and uh, appreciate you being here. You bet. My pleasure. What a great time with Grant. There was a lot of good stuff in there, but let's recap on the big three. First, Grant's using Tableau to track all of the metrics with a big focus on finding out where his customers are getting value from their solution. He's trying to expand that value so that way they can see all the product and as well as his product marketing is helping them find new product features using Pendo. With this product marketing, they are increasing their net revenue retention and adding to their pipeline. Another thing Grant is focused on is having his teams focus on quarterly themes to improve the overall messaging to the customer. This is increasing the depth with their customer relationship. And since all messages in marketing and sales match the quarterly theme, creates a cohesive narrative to move the buyer down the funnel. Last, the spend optimization tool that he's building is adding a ton of value for his customers and for sales. 
These free tools have been brought up by many guests in the past, whether it be Andrew Davies from Paddle and their Tax Agony Index or Eric Newton from Milestone CMS and their SEO Schema Calculator. These free tools work, but they take a lot of tinkering to make work sometimes. Just go back and check out those other episodes and you can hear how they had to tinker about these to make them successful. Don't give up too quickly, right? You never know what you're going to be on to. And they're going to take a lot of work to get these free tools really working. That's all we have for today. Before you go, join our other listeners by leaving a review about the podcast and let us know how we're doing. And if you get really excited, hit me up on LinkedIn and join our community of podcast advisors. I'll see you next week, okay? Have fun. Have fun.